Welcome to another episode. I am V, and this is the Sussex Set. Thank you for tuning in as always. And of course, thank you for coming back. So many things to talk about since the last episode. Oh my gosh, I feel like so many things have happened between the documentary, (laughs) the BBC documentary, Megan's case, which had just closed uh, for the last, you know, before the last episode and just all kinds of things that are happening, which honestly took me by surprise. But let's just first dive into this here BBC documentary. Now, technically, I can really only talk about half of it because I only saw the first episode. However, based on what people were saying when the second episode aired and just basically when it was all over and done with, it wasn't a good look for Will and Kate. Now, it's always so interesting to see how everybody views something that is at least true. Uh, or, or or just borderline true or neutral. I'm not saying it was borderline true, but it was, I mean, it's really honestly the first thing that I've seen that was of, of that caliber coming from a network like the BBC that actually attempted to tell the other side of the story and actually shine a light on the relationship that the press has with the royal family and how all of that plays into the things that we've, witness over the last couple of years now Sussex squad we know the intimate details of everything that transpired basically so it's always interesting to see just regular folks who maybe have come across different stories in passing over the last couple of years actually sit down and watch this documentary in light of the Oprah interview you know, in light of the things that Harry and Meghan have sort of been making reference to since leaving the royal family. And then also just kind of thinking back to the things they thought they knew and questioning that. Uh, It's always just really interesting to see the layperson's take on it. And overall, it's just a terrible look for Will and Kate. For Will and Kate in the institution itself, everybody knows the tra- the press is trash, especially the tabloids, they're gutter, but um thus the reaction we get out of Kensington Palace and and Buckingham Palace. I also thought it was quite interesting that the first episode aired actually both of them aired. Correct me if I'm wrong. Both of them aired between the time that the appeal ended, like finished being argued and the decision being made. That decision, of course, made by a judge saying Megan won, (laughs) like she won the decision in the the first go around was the correct one and that uh, the Associated Papers lost the appeal. It was really interesting because people had already sort of been primed with the documentary parts one and two. And then when the decision came down, it was almost like vindication. <laughs> it was just, it was just really good timing. I thought, and um, that was probably brilliant, you know, um, probably designed on BBC's part. So that was, that was actually good. But um, I love that everybody just kind of got to see a real life, very um, serious example um 
for Megan, of course, because she's suing one of the one of these very powerful uh, tabloids. So folks got to see just what she's been living with and putting up with, and that it it was on an ongoing basis and really technically still is. Now, the documentary itself, it brought a lot of people who have been writing a lot of stories. Some stories were huge. Most of them false. Um, take Camilla Tomini, the tall tale teller. Tomini was in there, for example, talking about, oh, she never reveals her sources. And uh, she was the one who broke the whole Kate uh, crying story. Megan made Kate cry. That turned out to be a lie. Um, it's interesting to see people who have written these stories still in a weird way defend the stories, even though they've been debunked. Um, but the overall takeaway I got just listening to, even in just the clips that were circulating around Twitter, is that these reporters even, they know that the jig is up. It's up. It's up. So with their reputations on the line, which we don't think much of their reputations, but they're having to explain the things they wrote. But then also... A lot of them were really just echoing a lot of the things that they tweeted one and two and three years ago. Um, And that's where it all comes back to Kensington Palace. Because if you remember Richard Palmer, you know, the guy who was like, well, I shake Megan's hand. He said that a lot of the briefing was coming from the royal family. Dan Wooten, as much as I despised the guy, like honestly, truly, he was also on there defending his false Tierra story, which it came out during the appeal that Megan and the queen picked the Tierra Tiara together. It wasn't a situation where Harry said, Megan, what Megan wants, Megan gets. But he went on there and he defended it. But even him, he was one of the people, and I believe he said in the documentary as well, because again, I only watched part one, that a lot of what's coming out about the royal family is coming from the palace. He, he, he said that himself. He tweeted it. He talked about it on talk radio. And I believe he mentioned it in the documentary. So that's good for, I think, the regular public to actually be able to hear. Because a lot of folks don't realize that. Um, as much as I hate Dan Wooten, as much as I hate, you know, uh, Palm Olive and, and God knows Camilla Tomini, um, all three of them, including and, and others as well, who were not in the documentary, have said as much. And so ultimately, the royal reporters, they're just chasing stories. They're chasing clicks. They're chasing dollars. And they're doing what anyone with a lack of standards would do in their profession. It is the ones who fed them the stories that have the most to answer for. So even in the last podcast, I mentioned the thing that we all know. In the appeal, Jason, who says he regrets not giving more of a testimony or more evidence in the first go round, He's he's William's right hand man and is still working 
for William up through the end of the year for the Royal Foundation. And as I can't remember who it was. I think one of them was Dickie Arbiter, but it was like a group of three or four people. They went on their show or some show and said, of course, Will knows. Of course, Will gave this permission. He's not going to do something like this. It's going to get this type of attention without it first being approved by his boss, who is in this case, Will. So whether you want to call him, you know, royal aides, royal sources, you know, palace staff, These are all dogs that have been sent out, whether they're briefing against Harry and Meghan to the tabloids or giving testimony in court proceedings where your literal family member is suing tabloids that helped kill your mother. That's who Will is at the end of the dizzy day. Like the tabloids are literal trash and you know that. But because you are so afraid and so trapped and so evil and angry and vindictive, you form a partnership with the same tabloids in this privacy lawsuit when you've been there before too. Because when Kay had her titties out on vacation and her privacy was violated, which it shouldn't have been, You wouldn't have done it then. (laughs) You know what I mean? But like I said, at the end of the day, these are the same types of folks who hunted your mother down and took pictures of her while she was dying on the backseat of a car. And you, sir, have collaborated and formed a partnership with them by sending your goons out to give testimony for the side that is going against your own blood brother and his wife. All for what? just to come out looking like an even bigger clown than what folks thought you were. And then with the documentary happening around the same time of the trial, and then it goes into how Harry has lived this every single time. He got a serious girlfriend. He had to deal with hacking, had to deal with them being stalked and feeling unsafe. Megan was pretty much stalked. They sent an investigator to, I believe it was the son, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it was the son, um, hired by the son to collect information on Megan all the way over here in America, her social security number, her cellular number, trying to dig up dirt on this woman. Um, as soon as they found out or suspected that Harry was dating her, uh, the BBC talked about how that's been happening with Harry and his girlfriends for ages literal ages, and then they wonder why he scowls at them on the plane, while he, why he scowls at them. I mean, I remember when I first saw it, because Harry's talked about this since he was like a teenager, how, how much he hated the media, and he just put up with it when it was just him, and he was basically being a third will to Will and Kate's show. Um, he's talked about it, but when I first saw it as it impacted him and his life with Megan was when they were in Morocco. And I hope somebody can find this. This, this is the day that they went to the horse stalls and they were walking along a fence and the press was on the other side of that fence. Megan trying to, you know, be dignified and, and do what she does, you know, not giving somebody the chance to say something negative about her or why she always so sour. She just has this sort of, 
tries to have this peaceful sort of look about her face. Uh, she's pregnant. I remember she had on a striped shirt. I, I just remember it so vividly. But Harry is walking right next to her. And they're walking along this fence. You can't see the press, but you can hear them. Um, they're taking video and, and picture. And man, Harry is looking. He's almost like looking each person he passes in the eye as if someone had <laughs> just called Megan the worst name you could possibly call a woman. I mean, that's not what happened, but he was just as angry as if it did, you know, um, or somebody insulted his mom's name or what have you. Like he was, he was just looking at each and every one of them, just staring them down until he walked past. And they, I think they were like trying to get them to like interact and just stop for a minute or two, but they didn't. Harry kept pushing Megan along and then they went on to the next thing. I said, but Oh, he, Oh, he despises these people. He can't stand them. But like, if you think back now, knowing what we know, and first of all, they shouldn't have even been there. Why are you sending a pregnant woman on a tour? Why are you doing it? You know, but Auntie Who's, um, if you really think back to what Megan was saying, uh, she was huge. She was, this was the last engagement before she actually gave birth. Um, she had already gone through the suicidal thoughts. So that's where she was. Uh, so Harry had every freaking reason to stare at them like he wanted, like he wanted that smoke. <laughs> um, and when you think about the years and years of buildup and frustration that he must have had, uh, that must have developed from him just sort of being trapped in this bubble and, knowing that they just pretend like when they go on these, he mentioned it in the letter when they were in South Africa, they go on these tours with them and they, they talk about how great Megan is for the Royal family, how she's this and how, you know, the Sussexes are so great. And then as soon as they get back to England, it's back to war, you know? So you think about all of the animosity that a person must have for this group of people that has all of this control that they shouldn't have. And then also knowing, even though at the time we didn't really have it confirmed, but knowing that your brother's staff from the very beginning, even before Megan became Harry's wife, had been collaborating with these same group, like the same group of people. I don't blame Harry <laughs> or Megan really, but especially Harry for not having anything to fucking do with these people. No, bitch. I don't want to give you no, gr no group hug. No, I don't. And actually when Harry, when somebody mentioned also that Harry um, was on the plane and somebody told him to go back and say something to the press. And um, he said something that I can't remember the actual quote, but it's not that you were invited or something like that. You got damn right. Because y'all ain't none of my friends. Y'all are Will's dogs. Y'all do what Will tell y'all to do. Will and Kate and Carol Middleton. And Charles and Camilla when it My God, Harry has been through it. He's been through it. And nobody blames him for when he goes over there to unveil a statue 15 minutes after it's done. He's going back to where he came from. Girl, girl, we can't blame you. We can't blame you. Anyway, leading up to the documentary, there was a lot in the news about, um, you know, 
how the palace didn't approve of it and they didn't get right a reply, like they didn't get to see it before the public got to see it and that being a big thing. And if you if you notice, anytime there is a lot of protesting coming out of Kensington Palace and Buckingham Palace and the royal family in general, um, especially when something is about to be aired, think back to the Oprah interview and just how desperate they were to try to shift the narrative before the public got to view it. Um, that right there is a huge, it should be a huge red flag to the layperson who is just, let's say, just now becoming interested in the entire saga. If you're just looking at, you know, the relationship between Harry and William or the Sussexes and the royal family, because really that's what it is now, the press just plays a part because they try to put out one story generally I mean in England and that's the side of the royal family because that's who they're in cahoots with but anytime there's a lot of protesting and there's a lot of shenanigans taking place that kind of lets you know just how cozy they are with the press because they thought that they should get the chance to influence what the documentary was when it aired that's too much power why can't you just live and exist and be good people right because the whole thing is just for show that's why you want all the PR to be great you want everything that you do to be that's like sinister and you know nasty think of all the things that Charles is dealing with now because of his greed and his shenanigans you want that to be covered up you want cease and desist you know you want gag orders you want everything you want all the good and none of the bad that's an issue because you're not living your life as if you were all good right but I also think back to how I mean like because people say well you know the royal family especially like if they have young kids especially if you're senior royals such as Will and Kate and having to uh, be on their good side, the press is good side, the tablet is good side because you got kids and you're thinking about them in the future. It makes me think about how Harry and Meghan, at least in the very, very, very beginning, were just a little bit, just somewhat willing to play that game when they were thinking when they're having to deal with Thomas Markle and then they told him, they basically made a bargain with him and said, you know, if we do this for you, then we can't protect our children from the press. And they, they actually still did it. And of course he dropped the ball and that's a totally different uh, can of worms there. But um, just how they were already thinking, like not foreseeing Netflix and Spotify and Montecito and all of that, just, trying to plan their life within the institution already bargaining uh, and, and trying to broker deals around trying to protect their unborn children, which they hadn't even had yet. Like what a sick exercise. Like that is just so strange how much power the tabloids have over the royal family, but then how the royal family went ahead and turned that on its head and tried to use, basically combine that power and then try to bully Harry and Meghan with it. I just, it's really, it's really like mind blowing when you think about all that has transpired from 
before Megan joined the royal family. So from like 2017, 2018 to now. Wow. At the end of the first documentary or the first part of the documentary, uh, they included a joint statement from the monarchy uh, because it was basically a joint statement between Clarence House, Buckingham Palace and Kensington Palace. And what I remember just, you know, people talking about when they referenced that statement was that, oh, well, you know, this must really be big because they don't do this that often. What, What you protesting for, though, because you know what you did. You know, and I'm not saying that the document documentary is all true or what have you, but it, it, it was pretty much at least the part that I saw was pretty much in line with what I witnessed as someone who was at least neutral. Of course, I'm a Megan fan, but just trying to look at things with a neutral eye, everything pointed to leaks from the palace and targeting from uh, from Will targeting the Sussexes. But the statement itself was a farce because it shows you just the hypocrisy that they are so comfortable with. But I'm going to read it just in case you haven't. But it says that a free, responsible and open press is of vital importance to a healthy democracy. However, too often overblown and unfounded claims from unnamed sources are presented as facts. And it is disappointing when anyone, including the BBC, gives them credibility. End quote. Um, so where was this view when the what was it? unfounded claims from unnamed sources were telling lies on Harry and Meghan. Like, where was that energy? Because I believe Meghan told Oprah in From the World that they weren't willing to tell the truth to protect Harry and Meghan. They weren't willing to tell the truth, but yet when this documentary is attempting to at least shed light on the relationship between Kensington Palace and the press, for example, it's suddenly a problem. Well, I mean, probably the biggest unfounded claim was that Megan had made Kate cry. Yeah, I didn't hear anybody talking about unfounded claims being presented as fact being a problem. It was, I mean, that was a story that circulated for two and a half years. Nobody ever said anything about that. Nobody bothered to correct the record. Nobody had any issues or any problems with unnamed sources. And it wasn't until Megan corrected the record with Oprah that it was finally put aside. That is what is disappointing. What's disappointing is saying that Megan announced her pregnancy at Eugenie's wedding when she didn't. And that not being corrected. What's disappointing is saying that Megan basically went on a tirade about a tiara when that didn't happen. All unnamed sources that Megan bullied Samantha and all of these folks out of their positions. That is disappointing. That's that's all unfounded. All by unnamed sources of all kinds Nobody ever had any issues, but let somebody go on Instagram and talk about Botox going in Kate's face, hair extensions going in her hair. 
oh, here come Buckingham Palace, girl, because we don't we don't appreciate these unfounded claims about Kate Middleton. Megan said it. She said it to Oprah. They were willing to go on the record to come out and speak about things that were trivial, but they weren't willing to tell the truth to to correct the record. All of these lies that were being circulated in the press and Megan could say nothing. Dear William and royal family, just because you don't like the facts doesn't make them untrue. And things are far too messy to change the narrative now. You had your chance to get it right. You were never going to do right by Megan. And that's becoming clear to more and more people. You were never going to do right by Megan and Harry. And you certainly weren't going to do right by their children. And that's why you haven't seen them in over a year. And as expected, we have Kensington Palace trying to do damage control. Will with his friends at the Sun, uh, his friends in the Daily Mail, all the tabloids, girl, um, putting out a story saying, immediately following the documentary, by the way, saying that it was Prince William who, quote, told aides to stay out of family wars after media attacks. What? Talking about he banned AIDS from briefing against family members to the press. I know you ain't telling this big old lie after you and Charles basically got this ongoing war in the press. Y'all briefing on each other as we speak. All unnamed sources, girl. All un unfounded things being presented as facts right now. That's what y'all doing. And again, let me reiterate, at least three royal reporters who very consistently write glowing articles about Will and Kate and tell lies about Harry and Meghan, things that have been debunked already. They have gone on the record to say that the family is briefing against Harry and Meghan. A lot of the leaks were coming from the family. You know, think back to when Harry and Meghan, for example, announced that they were leaving. The son announced it before Harry and Meghan could get a chance to because the family told Harry to write his plans down on paper. And as soon as he did that, and he was reluctant to do it, but as soon as he did it, it was in the sun. This is what they do. This is who you are, William. You can't rewrite the narrative. We, we see you for who you are. And who people saw you as before Megan came along and who they see you as now, totally different. But who we see you as now, that's the real you. That's the real you because the real you came out. Folks are who they are. You know, I think power... It reveals who people truly are, and especially when they're angry. And real power is knowing when not to use it. Looking at Will, this bitch throws his weight around just because he can. And I'm of the belief that he wanted to see Megan and Harry wither away. He wanted to see them so small, so beat down, so just defeated 
by the entire horror show that they were going to, that he could fit them in the palm of his hand and that they would then eventually do whatever he wanted them to do. He could fit them wherever he thought that they should be. The Harry and Meghan that we see now, he never envisioned because the motherfucker is trapped. So he got a mind that is trapped. Harry met a woman who was not trapped. Even though he felt trapped at the time, she opened his mind up a little bit. Good for him because they got the fuck up out of there from under his reign of terror. That's who Will is. No, you do not get to change the narrative, you bald bitch. Also in the documentary was Megan's lawyer. That was a pleasant surprise. And I actually like that she was in there because it it says it sends a message from the Sussexes that we know about the documentary. And we're going to we're going to make a statement. Matter of fact, we're going to be in it. <laughs> I love I I just love that because it's like yeah, they can they can send, you know, y'all got goons. We got them, too. And of course, no disrespect to Jenny Afia. Lawyers, I mean, lawyers go after the people that need going after. Um, so that's what I mean by that. But yes, I do like that she was in position to address the, quote, massive inaccuracies in the story that basically calls Megan a bully. And it sends a message from Harry and Megan that we're not just going to release a paper statement. Our lawyers are going to actually sit down in this here chair with y'all's little setup here. And she's going to go on the record to say, we deny that shit. And she said, quote, I think the first thing is, is to be clear, really clear about what bullying is. What bullying actually means is improperly using power repeatedly and deliberately to hurt someone physically or emotionally. Does that sound familiar? Because I just talked about it. But she continues. The Duchess of Sussex has absolutely denied doing that. That said, she wouldn't want to negate anyone's personal experiences. And this is why I love Megan's lawyer and Megan, because Megan knows who to surround herself with. Megan surrounds herself with people who are competent. And so when even when you look at it that way, it makes sense that she would leave the royal family. But uh, further, she was asked to provide evidence proving that that was not the case, that Megan wasn't a bully. And this is why I love Jenny Afia. She said, it's really hard to prove a negative dummy. Like, ugh. anyway, I'm glad she didn't fall for it. She said, it's really hard to prove a negative. If you haven't bullied someone, how do you show that you haven't? Just denying an allegation, I didn't beat my wife, doesn't address the underlying problem that the allegation has been made. And that's, that's what the royal family um, they knew that they knew what they were doing. Like, this is why I say, because people love to talk about how, you know, Jason sent the email about bullying and his quote unquote concerns uh, all the way back in 2018. They knew that they were going to use this later. Right. And to try to put her in a position of always denying something 
took place, you know, to counter their allegation. In the repeated denials of it, let's say if she didn't have the mind to like hire a lawyer and um, actually demonstrate that she has a fighter spirit, which she does. They wanted her to get because she's on the losing side if if it's just her voice against the royal family and the tabloids. They wanted her to be caught up in this cycle of denying all of these allegations, whether they were made by the royal family and the HR or the gray men or whether they were made by the tabloids. They wanted her to deny it because really the more you deny something, even if all parties involved know it is untrue, the guiltier you look, you know? Um, But that's right, Jenny, you can't prove a negative. And so that was a stupid question, actually. But I love that she she answered it Uh, (laughs) in a way that should have made the interviewer feel kind of dumb. But I love the fact that she talked about power, like you need power to be a bully. Um, You know, that's a subliminal, actually. Uh, And I love that it was included because what do we call William? Bullium. He's the bully. He's the he's the one with with all of the the power to bully anybody. Um, When it comes to we're just talking about William and Harry. He's the one with the power. Right. I mean. He's been an asshole since probably the day he was born. And I'm sorry to say that because if y'all are offended, I'm sorry. But he was an asshole. I I watched a Tish talking video on Tish on Tish talk on TikTok. Shout out to Tish talking man. Um, where she said she included a little clip of a documentary, okay, from the eighties, and apparently, well, at least the narrator of the documentary said Diana used to call William her little thug. Her little thug. Like, think about that. The little boy been a fucking tyrant since the day he was born, probably. He's just been a little shit. He's like, he doesn't deviate. He tries to, you know, present this, you know, caring father. He tries to present himself as someone who cares about mental health. We know that, like, we know that ain't true. Um, But deep down, he's just a little shit. He's a little shit. Charles is probably the same, but I think William is worse. And Chuck, girl, you better watch your back because he's coming for your neck. He wants to be the one who's on the crown. I mean, I mean, he wants to be not the crown. He wants to be the one who's on the throne. Okay. He wants you gone, girl. He wants you gone. Uh, But girl, I'm just watching, you know, because <laughs> I ain't got no dog in the fight, but if this were a different time, you know, like that, um, or, or different, <laughs> I guess a different location, you know how that, that Saudi prince pretty much got rid of his family so that he could be the king. Like he could be the, the, the head dog in charge. I think Will has those capabilities. He does. He does. Evil, evil. And I hope Harry and Meghan stay far, far away from him. And good luck, England, because y'all going to need it. Y'all y'all really going to need it. I mean, he's lazy as fuck. Um, he lies to your face about who he is, and y'all finance those lies and his lifestyle. For what? For what? But good luck, because this ain't none of my business. Um, like, what? what a shit show. And I, I hate to say this, but I do mean that literally as well. But let's move on. 
So Megan celebrated a big legal victory, another victory against the publishers of the Daily Mail, the Associated Newspapers, and it's a big win for her in this fight that she's been having with the tabloids really since she got there. I think back to when Megan was speaking to Tom Bradby in South Africa and she talked about how all of her friends in the UK said, no, don't do it. Don't do it. Your life's going to be ruined. Uh, the British tabloids are relentless and they will go after you. And just to think that here she is kicking ass. I mean, I don't think that she would, as, as great as this victory is, I don't think that she would pick this to have happened to her. But as Megan has actually demonstrated over the course of her life, she's willing to put herself in a position to be a predecessor if that makes things easier for folks down the line. Like what gets me is like there there are still people coming up in the royal family, you know, and truthfully, she's protecting herself, certainly protecting her kids, but she could also like this whole entire legal saga could be something that in the future protects Will and Kate's kids, Eugenie and, um, you know, Beatrice's kids when they become tabloid fodder. It's, but, I mean, I understand they went after Megan because they thought they could. And, um, you know, I'm sure race played a factor in that. You know, she was just sort of this throwaway figure in the larger scheme of things. But even still, and not even just for, for folks in the royal family, but anyone who has had their privacy violated. And I think in going after the tabloids, in standing up for herself, truly fighting for herself and standing up for, for what's right, as she said, really, since she was 11, um, it makes others more likely to do so if they're in that same situation. After the victory was announced, Megan said in a statement, this is a victory not just for me, but for anyone who has felt scared to stand up for what is right. While this win is precedent setting, what matters most is that we are now collectively brave enough to reshape a tabloid industry that conditions people to be cruel and profits from the lies and pain they create. I mean, if you really think about it, that was bold. Like that took balls. Like just to think about the fact that, of course, she had her husband's support, but Megan's name was on the lawsuit. She's taking on not just the tabloids, but also the royal family. They're not, they're not named in the lawsuit, but we see how, how they work together. Again, William's right-hand man gave evidence to aid the Associated Papers. That will forever blow my mind. With William's permission, he gave evidence against William's brother's wife. In a case against a tabloid as a part of an industry that killed his mother. Um, I, 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 that will forever blow my mind. But the courage it took to just stay the course. Now, granted, I'm sure it's much easier from California than it is in England. And thank God she didn't have to ride this out in England. Um, but really looking back, I think when that was announced, um, when they were in South Africa, 
I think they were aware of how long and drawn out it could be, and it could still go further. You know, they could take it to the Supreme Court. But the difference between an appeal and then taking it to the Supreme Court is they have to argue that there's a flaw in the law. And, I mean, they're not going to be able to do that because the original ruling was upheld. Um, So I think when they announced it back in, in South Africa, they had already planned to leave. And that's why they announced it feeling like really if you think about it that following January is when they announced that they were leaving <laughs> so um but I'm, I'm glad that they they wrote it out she stayed the course you know like she said when it started she had no kids and now she has two and of course the girls are kicking and screaming you know uh writing especially the Daily Mail like writing any and every kind of article about Megan. But see, here's the thing. You've already, they've already like exposed their hand. You already were doing that. So what difference does it make at this point? Because now you just look pathetic. Now you just look bitter. So that's one thing. But I also love that in Megan's statement, she ain't playing no games. Like she's demonstrating that they tried the wrong one. They tried the wrong one. They played their hand and they lost. They thought they would, again, it's just like, you know, Kensington Palace and the institution as a whole, the tabloids as well. They thought they would be able to beat this self-made woman into submission. And she won again. She's talking so much smack in the statement that she released after the victory was Um, basically after the original ruling was upheld and the appeal was knocked down. Girl, I said, Megan, you're really out here selling wolf tickets. And I love that for you. That just means talking your shit. She's really out here doing the things. So particularly in the last section of the statement, she's naming names. Like she's really checking them and taking their lunch money. I just got to read that last paragraph. But she said that today the courts ruled in my favor again, cementing that the mail on Sunday owned by Lord Jonathan Rothmere has broken the law. The courts have held the defendant to account, and my hope is that we will all begin to do the same, because as far removed as it may seem from your personal life, it's not. Tomorrow, it could be you. The harmful practices don't happen once in a blue moon. They are a daily fail that divide us, and we all deserve better. Like, talk your shit, Megan. Like, for real. And the daily fail bit, oh, because I love when a good sis twists the knife just a little bit. Like she just twisted just a just a little bit, you know. Um <laughs> don't try hard, like don't try my duchess. And if you remember after the first victory, she had a little bite in there, not like this. But she said something to the effect of, you know, if the disrespect is public, then so should the apology be. Something like that. And said, you know what? It needs to be on the front page, period. Um, and, and what have you. So this time around, though, she ain't playing no games 
with these girls. Now, this is a statement. She knew she won. She knew it was decisive. And she knows they don't have much of a a chance of winning, even if they do decide to take it further. All they're doing is paying her more money because you're going to pay for these lawyers. People talking about, oh, well, you know, does Mago really want this legal battle? It could be years. She could be, you know, brought to trial. Yeah, she could be. And she going to win because no matter what was brought about in the appeal, it does not matter because none of that was relevant. Was the letter leaked? The answer is yes. So that means her privacy was violated, period. It doesn't matter if she wrote it, knowing full well that her father would leak large portions of it. It didn't matter. Her rights were violated. It doesn't matter what she said about who, whether she knew about the Finding Freedom book or not. It None of it matters, right? So even though, yes, that was their hope to try to ruin her reputation, you kind of have already done that where you are, right? In England, it, yeah, I mean, it's not working over here. You're trying, but it's not working because we don't care. Like, we don't pay attention to this. This is just like, I, this is just so silly to us. Like, we're so used to real news, like the Washington Post and the New York Times. And while they're not perfect, they're hard-hitting journalists. This is grocery store bullshit. Like, this is what you see on the grocery store aisle. That's what we think of when we think of tabloids. Um, Or at the checkout uh, counter is is what I'm saying. So, you know, folks can say, oh, well, she's done here. Well, her her reputation is so ruined here. Girl, okay, but that was that was the whole goal of the second appeal that they knew they would lose, as a matter of fact. But every day the appeal went on, and especially if Harry and Meghan were doing something in America, they got to write an article and folks got to go on there and comment and write all their bull crap. She still won. And history will state you violated her rights. And so when you combine the BBC documentary You know, the fact that William essentially, as he does, put his foot in his mouth a few days later or before around that time talking about, you know, Africans need to stop reproducing because it's impacting the wildlife and so on and so forth. Even though he said it before, and I love how American (laughs) outlets picked that one up. That was brilliant. Loved it. And then the fact that Megan won her appeal even though Kensington Palace had their right-hand man giving evidence to help the tabloids win their appeal against the decision. I mean, it's just a bad, it's a bad couple of weeks for, um, for the Royal family in general, but for Will and Kate in particular. And so we see, (laughs) we see the same tabloids trying to, as they do, it's almost a cycle now promoting all of this damage control because really, and this is so short-sighted for them, the longer anything goes on in terms of Megan's legal battles with the tabloids, the worse it makes the royal family look. And I swear, like Kensington Palace's staff, whoever it is that, you know, pretty much begs all of these platforms, whether it's Apple, Discovery, who, like whoever, 
Can you please, um, can we do a collaboration? Hey, what do you think about this? Let's just, like all the things that they said that were were so unroyal that Harry and Meghan began to line up for themselves, they're trying to do. And they're not, they're not doing it on the same scale as Harry and Meghan, but they're trying to reach out to the same parent companies, right? So like the little stupid walk with uh, William. And it's stupid because the motherfucker is a liar. He don't care nothing about nobody's mental health. Um, probably not even his own because he's a sociopath or like sending Kate out. And this is just probably like a standard engagement for her, but sending her to, you know, speak to kids about like babies' brains. How weird, how strange, how strange. And what makes it stranger is that she's dressed like Megan while doing it. When just a couple of weeks ago, we saw you giving a toast to the same motherfucker that gave evidence against Megan in the legal battle she just won. Like, what a clown show. And she sounds so crazy talking about baby's brains to a bunch of 12-year-olds who just want her to leave. She's trying so hard to be Megan to get what, like, the, the love that Megan had really for the entirety of the time that she was there, especially with young people trying so hard and not making any sense. Because let me let you know something. She don't have the work ethic. One thing about Megan, Megan will engage her audience. Kate, she can't do any of that. Not because she's not capable. And I do question that, but I, I think anybody would be. But she's not willing to work on herself. Everything in that girl's life has been handed to her. She doesn't have to work, but see, Megan came in and the people responded differently. She had been there a whole decade. I mean, Will and Harry got to see it their whole lives. But the thing about Will, Will knows he's going to be king, so he knows he don't have to do nothing, right? But the dynamic is a little bit different with women and wives in the royal family. And they love to compare each other and kind of pit them against each other. But the thing that that causes me to never have any grace for Kate is because she played right into it. She played right into it. Megan could have been a friend. She didn't want to be Megan's ally, though, because I always think, when I think about Will and Kate, I always think about what Robert Lacey said when he was writing his little second edition for his book about the brothers and, and the Battle of the Brothers or something like that. And it goes back to these so-called trusted friends giving direct quotes from Will and Kate talking about they were, or Kate in particular was wary from the start. This is going back before they were even engaged. Oh, wary from the start and uh, calling them all kinds of names. And then, you know, Kate gets absolutely zero grace from me. So, Mama Middleton should have taken a better look at who her daughter really is. Because while they were all trying to get rid of Megan so that Kate could basically stand in her spot, honey, the love did not transfer. And kids are going to tell it. Kids are going to tell you to your face how bored of you they are. And I doubt those kids even knew who she was. Like, for real. People love to talk about how they didn't know who Megan was before she dated Harry. Well, you knew who she was after. And every time you saw Megan in a panel or giving a speech or at an interview or talking to a group of children, a group of parents, etc., Megan knew what she was talking about. 
As a matter of fact, Megan is obsessed with studying the relevant subject matter. All Kate is going to do is drop a couple of key phrases, key words, and hope she sounds believable. That's why everything she says, it sounds so awkward because she doesn't know what she's talking about. She's going to let her hands do the talking. And to me, that's always been an indication that she's unsure of the word she's speaking. So the hands create a distraction. But it's weird because it's the opposite of poise. They thought that they were going to get rid of Megan, put Kate in, in Megan's place in terms of who's getting the attention, right? Because Megan's not there to get the attention from the British public. And that it was just going to happen. Like fetch was just going to happen. Kate is not even in command of the words she speaks, but let them tell it. She's been studying this topic for 10 years of early childhood development. 10 years. Now, Malcolm Gladwell says that 10 years is expert level, which equates to roughly 10,000 hours engaging with the subject matter. And all she can come up with is she has a passion for studying babies' brains, they want us to believe that she's an expert at early childhood development. But she couldn't quote you a study on, say, babies' brains if her life depended on it. She'll give us five dumb questions and a few pointless pie charts. But what is she really giving us at the end of the day? And really, I should say y'all, because y'all are the ones who are paying for her. What she's really giving y'all is a bunch of high-priced PR and a steady flow of content to laugh at because we all know Kate hasn't spent 10,000 hours studying anything besides how to be a dumb bitch. And I mean that. Kate went to dumb bitch school. And her husband is the only person I despise more than her. Truly. And I know it's not nice to call names. I'll concede that point. But neither is it nice to call Megan a narcissist or a sociopath or a bloody woman. William did that. And by extension, Kate did as well. Like, we don't know what they really said about Megan. Like the names they really call her. Those are the ones that they just allow people to write about. I'd be shocked if Will and Kate, or Kate, I should say, or the Middletons or whoever, didn't call Megan some version or the derogatory word for a black person. I I would be shocked. We will never know, but I'm telling you now what I believe. And while she can go out and pretend that she's supportive of women and girls now, one thing we know Kate didn't do is stand up for Megan. So Will, Kate, their aides and their fucking flunkies, they're so good at name calling. Well, so am I. Your future queen went to dumb bitch school and she graduated at the top of her class. And now she's here, walking around looking like unseasoned boiled chicken and you're paying for all of it. And believe it or not, I stopped having bad energy for Kate. You know, I would just tune her out, ignore her because why, you know. But I saw the video (laughs) that went around because she was talking to the kids at this engagement and she rolled her eyes when the kids had the audacity, as kids will do, to ask about Harry and Meghan. What else? And you know what I noticed? A lot of people brought to my attention as well. How quickly she dropped that posh accent. She's a fake. She's a phony. She's a phony. And y'all stay steady. Not not really, probably not people who are listening to this. 
But a lot of folks who pay for them, they just stay steady swallowing all this garbage that folks are writing about her, trying to promote her image. When the cracks are starting to show, and at the end of the day, all you're getting is your karma. Like you're getting what you put out into the world. Now, what I loved about that exchange with the kids when they were asking her about Harry and Meghan, and she rolled her eyes, then she looks the other way. And you can see it all on her face. You're not that girl. I made a TikTok with Roland Ray. You still not that girl. You are not that girl. And she realized it. I think she probably already knew. But it's something else to be reminded on the on an engagement that's supposed to be like, you know, another go of positive PR. Oh, Sussex Squad is on the case. And kids see through that bull crap. You can't trick people. All that tricking you're doing isn't getting you anywhere. And you can cosplay Megan all you want to, but you still have to open your mouth and reveal the real you. The tricking ain't sticking. But I can assure you is that this is exactly what you deserve. Oh, but it's going to be some more of it. So bring your appetite. With that, I have to say that that is pretty much all I have for today, guys. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes as well as Spotify and pretty much wherever you get your podcast, girl. Uh, you can find me also on YouTube and subscribe there for additional content. Find me on Instagram at Sussexet, on Twitter at Megan Mood, and on TikTok at Sussex Mood. And so until next time... Peace. I'm a bad bitch. You can't kill me. Kill me.